0: Do you have trouble seeing up close or far away? How about at night? I know I do. Go check out Design for Vision and Sunglass Central. They are the premier eye care center for all eyeglasses, sunglasses, and contact lenses in southeastern PA. Whether it is the quality eyeglasses, sunglasses, or contacts that you're looking for, their styles represent the latest in fashionable but affordable eyewear. Not only do they offer a wide selection of non-prescription brands, but they offer prescription lenses fabrication. Whether it's in-store or online, they carry all major brands such as Oakley, Dolce & Gabbana, Coach, Michael Kors, Ray-Ban, Maui Jim, Wiley X, and many more. With over 50 years of experience, Design for Vision and Sunglass Central are the best in fabrication, selection and fitting of designer and specialty glasses. Design for Vision has convenient locations in Morrisville, Levittown, New Hope, Newtown and Jamison. Sunglass Central can be found at the New Hope, Newtown and Jamison locations. That's designforvision.com and sunglasscentral.net. This is Chet with Flow Racing, you're listening to the 4 Wide Salute Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the 4 Wide Salute Podcast presented by Line Decker Racing Engines. Go on over to Facebook, pop PopNJ, Line Decker Racing Engines in your search bar. And go see what Jason's got going on. On to our breaking news items. Gavin Miller, who some of you around the micro scene may know, is prevy to the northeast here from Allentown. Will take on his first full season of midget racing in 2023. He will be pairing up with Keith Coons Motorsports and will tackle 82 races. He is taking on USAC, Power Eye, and the Extreme Midget Series. Wow, that's a lot. In sprint car news, Lane Racing and Chris Wyndham have paired up for 2023. As you guys know, Cap Henry and Lane Racing departed. They went their separate ways towards the end of 2022. Well, Lane Racing now has found its driver and they will continue to chase the All-Star Circuit of Champions title. Billy Dietrich, former guest of the show, who has some amazing content out on YouTube, go check that out if you have not, made a video announcement that he will have a Friday night ride for Williams Grove Speedway this upcoming season. He is pairing up with Randy Shearer, running the majority of the 410 shows at the Grove. Not all of them, but most of them. So good luck to Billy and Randy Shearer on the pair. Congratulations going out to Shane Clanton. Shane made his six hundred and forty-fourth A-main start with the World of Outlaw Late Models on Thursday night, and again his six hundred and forty-fifth on Saturday. But six hundred and forty-four has now made him the driver with the most a-main feature starts in World of Outlaws late model history. Congratulations to the former champ, and he's not going away anytime soon either. Also, congratulations going out to last night's Daytona 500 winner, Ricky or Recky Stenhouse Jr., depending on how you view him. The race itself had its moments of excitement. Yes, it definitely has changed a lot over the years. The one thing I will say, late in that race, I believe it was right around uh first lap of overtime, the top six guys have all ran dirt in the last few years. Of course, you had Kyle Larson up there, of course you had Christopher Bell who have avidly ran dirt. Joey Logano? If you guys don't remember, ran an up mod of Volusia two years ago. You had Kyle Busch, who has now become a mainstay of the Tulsa shootout the last few years, and also ran a late model at Bristol. You had Ricky. Of course, Stenhouse runs the winged sprint car and the Chili Bowl when he can. It was nice to see. You have these guys who are venturing back to the grassroots side of things, and do compete on a, I guess, lower level, if you want to consider it that. But it was nice to see all the dirt guys representing and running up front late in the stages of that. But yes, another wreck did happen. And it did come down to when were they going to hit the yellow, which I'll never understand from my scoring standpoint, my background.
1: And to me, you
0: know, it's... It's one thing at a dirt track, you're talking about a smaller scale track. Daytona is two and a half miles long. That's a lot of real estate. You have situations come up where a yellow is called. So a little background here. When we hear on the radio yellow, it is up to three things basically need to happen at once
1: your flagman needs to throw the yellow
0: from the flag stand. At the same time, the lights need to be hit to yellow. That is basically drivers are using the lights more than anything else to indicate that there is a yellow. But in scoring, the transponder needs to be hit at the same time. So all three of those things need to be done consistently and technically, there's a fourth, the in-car. I will wait for my flagman to throw the yellow flag, which indicates the assistant to hit the lights, which also indicates, in our case on Fridays, my wife, to hit the yellow on the transponder to free, basically freeze the field. That's four moving pieces all at once with NASCAR, I don't understand how they, what their process really is. It came up Saturday night with the Xfinity race, apparently, where it could have went one of two ways, depending on when the yellow is thrown. So, again, it, it's circumstantial. It all depends on who's doing it and how they are doing it. But nonetheless, Ricky was named the winner. So congratulations to a one car team, mind you. They did go down. They had two last year with Priest as the second. Now we're down to one, which is Ricky. And my favorite part of the whole story. I'm a Cottonelle guy. And my brand of shit paper was on the side of the car that won the 500. So kudos to Ricky. And last but not least. Lincoln Speedway made a surprising announcement late last week. They're going to run the icebreaker on Thursday night. It was scheduled to be ran on Saturday and Sunday. Now they announced they're going to run it Thursday due to great weather. The expectation of temperatures on Thursday is going to be the 70s.
1: Now, with that, Being the case,
0: I don't know what happens to Saturday and Sunday. Are they making it a three-day show? Are they bagging just Saturday, still going to run Sunday? I don't know what the deal is here. I don't know what their plan is. The way it sounds, Thursday is it, and that's it. We are expecting to see some of that white stuff around um, Pennsylvania here on the weekend, so I don't know what the case is. I don't know what their game plan is. Guess we'll have to wait and see. But that will be on Flow Racing for all of you who cannot attend Lincoln in person. On to our results. Last Monday, All Stars Winter Nationals, East Bay Raceway Park in Florida. Tyler Courtney was your winner over Justin Peck, Buddy Cofoyd, Anthony Macri and Dylan Westbrook. Heading on over to Volusia Speedway Park, Dirt Car Nationals. We have the Dirt Car Elite Models and USAC Amazon Oil 410 Sprint Cars. Dirt Car Elite Model feature going to Hudson O'Neill over Tim McCready, Chris Madden, Nick Hoffman, and RTJ, Ricky Thornton Jr. And on the USAC side of things, 5000 to win feature going to Jake Swanson. Over the madman Robert Blue, Chase Stocken, Brady Bacon, and Justin Grant rounding out your top five. On a Tuesday, All-Stars, night number two, Winter Nationals, East Bay Raceway Park in Florida. Tyler Courtney, your winner once again, over Justin Peck. Anthony Macri, Zeb Wise, and Hunter Schoenberg rounding out the top five. Dirt Car Elite Models and USAC, night number two. Dirt Car Nationals, Volusia Speedway Park, TMAC, Tim McCready getting it done over Bobby Pierce, Hudson O'Neill, Brandon Shepard, and Kyle Bronson rounding out your top five. And USAC, 10,000 to win feature. First time winner with the USAC Amsoil National Sprint Cars, Dason Pursley picking up the win over Emerson Axum, C.J. Leary, t and Jake Swanson rounding out the top five. On to Wednesday. Dirt Car Nationals, Volusia Speedway Park once again. This time, Super Dirt and the Dirt Car Late Models. Super Dirt feature going to Mad Max McLaughlin over Matt Shepard, Stuart Friesen, Eric Rudolph, and Demetrius Drellos. Dirt Car Late Models ran a little bit different format. They ran similar to an ump mod format where they broke it into three features. Feature number one was Brandon Overton over Ashton Winger and Max Blair. Feature number two was T-Mac, Tim McCready over Dalton Wilson and Devin Moran. And feature number three, Chris Madden over Boom Briggs and Hudson O'Neill. A little bit of drama in the third late model feature There was something stuck in the track, some debris, a piece of sheet metal, I would presume. And it caught a lot of tires down, and I mean a lot. They eventually did figure out where the issue was and removed that piece of debris. But it definitely added some drama to that feature. On to Thursday, Dirt Car Nationals once again... Volusia Speedway Park. This time we have Super Dirt and the World of Outlaw late models. Super Dirt 5,000 to win feature went to Matt Williamson with a last lap pass over Demetrius Trellos. Eric Rudolph was third. Larry White ended up fourth from 22nd starting spot. And Mad Max McLaughlin rounding out the top five. World of Outlaw late models 10,000 to win feature. Another last lap pass. This time, Bobby Pierce passing Brandon Overton for the win. Overton held on for second. T-Mac was third. Chase Younghans and hudson O'Neill rounding out the top five. Then Bubble Raceway Park in Florida. $5,000 to win for USAC Winter Dirt Games 14. Brady Bacon is the cause of the first yellow. Looped it. Did not stop, got his spot back, and ended up winning the feature. He got it done over Emerson Axum, C.J. Leary, Justin Grant, and Kyle Cummins running out the top five. Wayland Winter Nationals, East Bay Raceway Park in Florida, King of the 360s, kicking off on Thursday. Cole Macedo was your winner over Mark Smith, Davey Franick. Parker Price Miller, and Ryan Timms rounded out the top five. On to Friday. Dirt Car Nationals, Volusia Speedway Park in Florida was a washout. They did try to run. They did get some stuff in, but inevitably the rains came and ended up canceling the event. Winter Dirt Games 14 with USAC at Bubba Raceway Park, also in Florida did succumb to the rain as well. Wheeland Winter Nationals at East Bay Raceway Park did experience some of the rain, but were able to get their entire show in. King of the 360's Night number 2 went to Aaron Reutzel over Danny Martin Jr., Mark Smith, Zeb Wise, and Sam Haverteeb Jr. On to Saturday. The Big Gator Finale... Dirt Car Nationals, Volusia Speedway Park, Super Dirt Car paying $7,500 to win. Another last lap pass. Rick Laubach led a big chunk of this feature, and I'm not sure if he lost a cylinder or what happened, but the car definitely lost its speed. Jack Lehner got by him. Jack was leading at the white flag, tucked in behind a lap car to just ride it out, and Matt Williamson found another groove and drove by him on the backstretch, picking up the second win of the week for Matt. Jack did hold on for second. Eric Rudolph third, Max McLaughlin, and Peter Britton were your top five. Big Gator trophy did go home to St. Catharines, Ontario, with money Matt Williamson. World of Outlaw Late Models, 20000 to win. Hudson O'Neal, your winner from 23rd starting spot. Getting it done over Devin Moran, Ricky Thornton Jr., Tim McCready, and Brandon Overton were your top five. Tim McCready picking up the Big Gator, and he now is the only driver to have won a Big Gator in two different divisions. Guys, remember in the early 2010s, T-Mac did take home the big gator with the big blocks. Winter Dirt Games 14, Bubba Raceway Park in Florida, 10,000 to win for the USAC AMSOIL National Sprint Cars. Another late race pass. This one coming to the white flag. Kyle Cummins picking up the win over Brady Bacon, C.J. Leary, Justin Grant and Jason McDougall rounding out the top five. Wheeland Winter Nationals, East Bay Raceway Park in Florida, king of the 360s. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I turned this feature off. This feature became the war of attrition with tires. And this is just not my style of dirt racing at all. This track was black. This track was blacker than Daytona. Guys could not get off the bottom. And if they did, there were times where guys' cars were shaking profusely because their tires were just eating away. I turned it on with, I don't know, 20 laps to go. And I think I saw at least, I don't know, 10, 15 caution flags. And it started to happen every lap where someone's right rear let loose. It was not what I would consider dirt racing to be. Just my opinion, these guys may have enjoyed themselves. But this was uh, worse than the All-Star show a couple of years ago at Virginia Motor Speedway when Tony Stewart ended up winning the race when Justin Peck's right rear let loose coming to the checkered. This was bad. But in the end, Sam Hayford's Ape Jr. was your winner over Max Stambaugh. Terry McCarl, Aaron Reutzel, and Ryan Tims rounded out the top five. I gotta be honest with something, too, that kind of irked me with this. Terry McCarl was in the work area. They were not able to change his right rear. They pushed him out with a flat. He was the next yellow with the same flat. I don't think that guys should be allowed to do that. If you willingly know that your car is not going to be able to compete and you then bring out the next yellow, that should be it for you. I don't think that is acceptable, but not my show. Let them guys do what they will, but I thought that was kind of cheesy. Those are your results. On to our upcoming events. Not a whole lot going on. Lincoln Speedway, again, Thursday is the icebreaker. Not sure what's in store for Saturday or Sunday or either of those two days. That will be on Flow Racing as well. And Dirt Indoors, the Indoor Dirt East Coast Nationals Cure Insurance Arena, Trenton, New Jersey. Mike Rose on dirt inside. If you guys listened to the Lenny Salmons episode, you recall last time they ran this show that we had alphabet soup. This could very well happen again Friday and Saturday. Go check it out. I will definitely be there Saturday. And that's that. As always, thank you to all of our followers and subscribers like and share the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Smash that five star rating button on all the podcast platforms. And big thank you to Kenny Bruce and Bill Brown and company for the support. Are you looking to make your mark in the construction world? Join the growing crew at Pioneer Pole Buildings. Does switching up your routine interest you? Look no further than Pioneer Pole Buildings. Pioneer Pole Buildings travels to seven states on a regular basis and returns home most evenings. Would you like to be paid travel time and extra money when you do have to stay overnight? They have that covered too. They have full-time positions on their crews constructing pole barns. Pioneer also completes re-roofs, additions, insulation and interior liner, as well as custom builds. Pioneer Pole Buildings is looking for carpenters based out of the Schuylkill Haven, Reinholds, Neutropoli, and Upper Black Eddy areas. You can contact Pioneer Pole Buildings through their Facebook page or on the web at ppb1.com or via telephone at 1-800-448-2505 or you can contact Jess directly at 570 570- extension 132. Pioneer Pole Buildings could be your future. On to this week's episode. As you can see, there is no guest. I will apologize for that right now. We had all intentions of getting an episode out to you with a guest. However, I ended up in the emergency room on Tuesday night and Wednesday morning ending up having to get my appendix taken out. It was not how I saw my week going, so I've been taking it easy all week and resting like I'm supposed to, which for those of you who know me, I do not listen very well when it comes to that, but I have been trying my damnedest to rest. Thank you to my wife for dealing with me all week and helping out as much as possible. But,
1: there was an opportunity for a topic
0: to be brought up during the week. For those of you who tuned in to our friends over at Lowdown Entertainment, Wednesday night, they had Ricky Grasso on, who is the new owner and promoter of New Egypt Speedway. Ricky made an announcement over the air that I am the new race director at New Egypt. That is true.
1: To take you guys through how this whole process went down,
0: Motorsports, a month ago, I... Spoke with Jim Murdoch, who was at the New Egypt booth. I went over there just to say hello to, uh, you know, friends, acquaintances, and was asked how my Saturdays look. I don't do anything on a Saturday other than watch racing somewhere, somehow. Handed over a business card. That was that. Go to Atlantic City. And I heard from a lot of different people about me working at New Egypt. Now, at this point, nothing had happened. Just an exchange of a business card, that was it. And one of those people was Ricky's son, Justin. Um, had a lot of people approach me saying that I was the race director at New Egypt. That was not true. Nothing had occurred. Any information they wanted from me, I was willing to hand over and entertain the idea of working at New Egypt, and I had not heard anything. Uh, Doug Miller's party the other week, I had heard it again, that I was the new race director, and again, nothing had taken place. I had a meeting with Ricky Grasso the following Monday. We met for dinner. Discuss some things that I'm not going to get into. Um, You know, basically an off-the-cuff interview, I would consider it to be a little bit more relaxed than normal. And that was that. We left it at that. Um, I was uncertain at that time where we stood. Believe me, we were not on the same page. When I had messaged Ricky the day of his announcement... I said, where are we at with this? I was unsure when we parted if this was a done deal. And he said, yeah, it's a done deal. So I found out realistically five minutes before everyone else did that tuned in to a Low
1: Entertainment show. Now,
0: a lot of things are going to take place in the next month and a half before New Egypt's opener, before their open practice the week before that. And, yes, my wife will be working there as well.
1: As I told her, if there's anybody I want to be my head of scoring, it's her.
0: We work very well together, and she's very good at what she does. She's been trained by the best and she takes just as much pride
1: in her job as I do with mine. So, that being said, we are now both committed
0: to working Fridays at Big Diamond and Saturdays at New Each. And there's a lot of good things going on in Jersey. Ricky has been timelessly working since he purchased the track. Been doing all different kinds of things. Upgrades the facility updating and um it's going to be really good there's a great field of cars coming guys that have ran there for years guys that are coming back that have ran there previously there's also some new faces you know from what i understand i wasn't around when ricky owned the track before but it was good when he owned the track a lot of drivers like that and i there's one person who's going to tell you exactly how they feel. It's the drivers. Those are the guys you need to show up because when they show up, then people come to watch them. If you don't have cars in your pits, you're not going to have cars in your parking lot and you're not going to have butts in your seats. And when you don't have that, you don't have a racetrack. Some people should look into that. But that's the deal. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a new, tall task. Um, the bar is set high, and I appreciate everyone's kind words that was a reference that I did not know was going to be one, um, so I couldn't even preface them with what to tell Rosso, but I appreciate all the kind words, I appreciate even the negative ones, because those just make me strive to be better. But it, it's going to be an exciting year, it's going to be a busy year.
1: And I think we're going to get a new
0: wave of guests to come on the show as I meet more people at New Egypt, which I think is going to be a good thing. I know Pistol Pete and I have already talked about doing an episode, cannot wait to get him on, and much more. But stay tuned for how this all shakes out, and once again, I apologize for no interview this week, but... At least you got a little inside scoop on our plans for 2023. And yes, the podcast is not stopping. We're going full steam ahead. Have an interview lined up for this week. God hope I don't end up in the emergency room once again. So with that being said, I'm going to uh, get this episode out to you. And until the meantime,
1: enjoy the show.